And you are joining us back in the studio for our second hour of the breakfast show this morning. You guys have been answering quiz questions, sending in a lot of text messages, like a lot. Uh, Love it. I feel like you know, we uh, riled some people up. I, mean, I feel like, you know, there, there are some... St- uh, subjects and topics that people are particularly passionate about. And I think children and child safety is one of them. Yeah. You're actually just telling, telling me a horrific story mm. that happened on the weekend. Yeah. Do you want me to share it? Yeah, just briefly. Just briefly, yeah. A, a woman in her 30s, uh, she was just having a good weekend, just, you know, drinking alcohol with her friends on a Saturday night. She was still drunk the next day and went canoeing with her friends and her friends' friends. And they had a four-year-old daughter and they put the four-year-old daughter in the canoe with this woman, not realizing she was literally blackout drunk still. Still in the morning. Still in the morning. And uh, went out for a paddle, canoe overturned, and the little girl drowned. And now this woman, who was probably just having, you know, trying to have a good, happy weekend, is now facing 14 mm. years in prison. Yeah, I think it's she was having a good weekend, although she was drinking. Yeah. Because, yeah, kind of what we were discussing. And it's just is so just crazy to think if you've yikes. just taken alcohol out of the equation... You'd still have a really good weekend hanging out with your mates, going for a paddle on the river. Yep. And the yeah. life of a little you girl. You wouldn't have lost a life. Still intact. So, yeah. terrible situation. But again, yeah, child safety is something we're going to talk about. It's something we get very, very passionate about. And I think a story like that just stirs you up so much when you hear it. And we're going to be seeing your guys' text messages and your response to some of the things we were talking about. But before we do, we're going to have another question for the quiz. Okay, a new quiz now. What percentage of a person's blessed wealth is to be returned to the Lord as a tithe? Mm. Really basic one, in my opinion. Uh, 0491064669. Give us a text, want a call. Thank you so much for not calling and just texting. We appreciate you. Yes. What percentage of a person's blessed wealth is to be returned to the Lord as a tithe? We're giving, we're giving you, firstly, <laughs> the answers in the question. <laughs> secondly, <laughs> secondly, this is a bit of a. This is what we call in basketball. This is what we call a layup. We're letting you run right to the basket. You know, <laughs> you're right underneath it. Like we're sure that a lot of you would know the answer. If you don't, we give you full license. You know, if if you don't, from the perspective that maybe you're not a regular church attender, we give you full license. You know, look it up, find the answer. We want you to know the answer, but try and challenge yourself. But guys, get in. You want these prizes. Bro. I feel like the quiz questions are getting easier today as we go. Yeah. 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 Well. I made him. So yeah, you're, you're, you're listening <laughs> to The Breakfast cute. Show. And hey, 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. And we're going to get into some text messages right now. Do it. The right to repair argument. This is, this is about right to repair, what you were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. The right to repair argument and the closed systems companies are pushing does have a bit of a sinister side. For computers and phones, they can control what you install on your phone, even going so far as removing apps they deem long, no longer to comply with their yeah. standards. The only example I know of, of was Apple removing an app allowing, like... Um, Private messaging. Uh, uh, no, 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 no. So I, I read this and then I stopped because I was like, oh... That's a bit shocking, but then I'm going to say it. Apple removing an app allowing child pornography. So, yes, that one should have been removed, but how far can we take it? And so they're, they're ultimately talking about, like, you know, um, privacy of information and, yeah. and and whatnot. And then it's like there are things that you can do in your private life that literally break the law. Yeah, but then like, then Apple and, and Amazon, they all ganged up and removed an app last year called Parler. And the only reason they removed it was because it was a private app. Like you couldn't like, yeah. see into it. I thought that was horrendous how they did that. Mm. And you can you can see where they're coming from though, because like 
yeah, the example the that Braden gives here is like from the perspective of like, well, they removed apps that can be dangerous and like can harbor child pornography. And if they can't see into the app and they can't see what the app is doing, then it's like, oh, maybe they're allowing that, allowing that to take sure. place. But um, yeah, I think it's like ultimately, you know, the fact that we don't own anything anymore yeah. is, is getting more worrying and more worrying, especially as like, you know, things as, as we've been talking about, like that's actually a downside of making things more eco-friendly and more like kind of biodegradable and sustainable. It's like, you know, the things don't last long term and we don't own them. Do you reckon that's a side effect of moving towards sustainability? Yeah. I don't, I don't know necessarily sure that's it's related. It's something to discuss. Sure. But maybe not now. Well, we've got too many text messages. <laughs> okay. Go the, the next one that came through was now the rest of these text messages are related to what we were talking about in terms of child safety and says, how old are the children? So in this particular story that I was reading where they wanted to ban this textbook because it contained information about sexual identity, sexual orientation, abortion, sexually transmitted diseases, uh, and pregnancy. I think I said something along those lines. Um, it was for middle schoolers, um, which is year five and up, but I, I assume that it probably won't go to all middle schoolers, maybe, you know, year it's seven and eight. 10, 10, 11. Um, yeah, so 11 and then high school. So 11 and up essentially, which is around the time when most schools here in Australia start to teach sexual education mm-hmm. because that's when children are hitting puberty and yeah. they need to, as we've said, we they need to be inf- given some information. Now, the problem is, is that there was parents that deemed this as actually like harmful and, you know, full of gender ideology and they didn't want to put it in. Now I've got some opinion, opinion pieces coming through, which is awesome. Guys, thank you for sending text messages. Where do we draw the line on what should be taught in schools why should it be the job of the teacher to teach about sex ed, etc.? What should we devote time to in the classroom? It's worth thinking about how much parenting are teachers now doing and expected to do. See, this is it's so true. This is the thing you quell <clears throat> um, the you quell the problem of the need to teach sex ed if there are parents adequately teaching it at home. Yeah, that's literally, that's the root problem is inadequate parenting. That's right. It's absolutely something parents should be teaching to their kids. <clears throat> it shouldn't have to be even addressed in schools. But the fact that we know parents are not doing it means that we have to figure out a way to do it. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So, but I really like this text message asking the question, like, why should we devote time to this when this is a topic that should be taught by the parents? Agree, but then at the set, on the flip side, it's like, are parents doing it? Maybe what we really need in schools is parenting classes. Yeah, that's so that right. So when they become parents, they know, what's, you know what, what they need to do. Here's another one. Perhaps we should be training parents in how to educate oh, their go. children on sex. This is the next testament. Or perhaps it should be preached from the pulpit. And perhaps... Classrooms can spend more time teaching math, English, history, and the academic things they specialize in rather than focusing on things that should be taught by the family. Mm. So this person just completely agreeing with what we're saying. <laughs> I love it. We're, we're building community here. We're, we're coming to agreement on this issue, de- like definitely, yeah. like 100%. Another one here. In regards to sex education, I strongly believe it should be the parent's responsibility. <laughs> Man, everyone's everyone's like really mm-hmm. on this on this train. I freely talked about it with my kids in an age-appropriate manner. And if they ask questions, um, giving them age-appropriate answers. They are currently eight and six. Teaching kids how to masturbate is not sex education. God designed sex to be a wonderful thing between a husband and wife, not with yourself. Yeah. I wasn't too happy to be taught that. Yeah. So uh, when I was in school, did that come, did that? 
come up? I think I'm just trying to remember because obviously I, it, it didn't scar. I, it didn't leave an impression on me because I was a secular kid going to a yeah. Well, I mean, going to school that but, ha- that happened in my classroom when I was 13, 13 yeah. or 14. The teacher showed a video, and I remember even then some of the other kids in the classroom openly yelled out, "Can you please turn this off?" Yeah, yeah. I think oh, we didn't show video. I again, I said this before. I really appreciate the sex ed that was taught at my school. I was going to a Christian school, and I thought it was in a very uh, humble, in a very um, open, and in a very safe way that they mm. talked about talked about sex education, that they taught sex education, and they actually informed us as to how the human body works. Uh, but also, it was very much like even though I wasn't a Christian, it was very much for the Christian perspective, and I believe they talked about masturbation. But they talked about it in a negative light. Yeah. They said, this is something that is actively harmful to you and you probably shouldn't do. Yeah. So good for them. Yeah. Um, shout out shout out my school growing up. Shout out Hunter Christian School. Uh, I was really, really blessed to go there. But hey, um, I'm sure there's more text messages that have come through. But right now, we're going to get into our Bible study. Yeah. And we're going to be actually talking, you know, our uh, our... Um, our show today is a little bit kind of it has a bit of a sex topic going on in it. Oh, because today we're going to be talking about the story of Hosea. Okay. Uh, for those who don't know, the basic synopsis of the story of Hosea: Hosea is a prophet. He's told to marry a prostitute. Oh, this guy. Yes. Yeah, so, so yeah, he's told to marry Goma, who's a prostitute. Now, the reason we're talking about this is because I want to ask you the question, Monica. Yeah. Do you think that this was in any way a trial for Hosea? Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I think it would be very trying to ask anyone to marry a prostitute. You think this was a difficult thing to go through? Yeah. 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 Extremely. Um, And, you know, we're going to get into this story, but the reason we're focusing on it today, again, it it aligns with our theme uh, for this quarter, which has been the crucible and our theme for this week, which is extreme heat times in which God's people were called to go through massive trials of faith. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so imagine, Monica, Mm. you are the bomb.com. Well, that's just true anyway. That's just true anyway. I'm not, that's, that's not easy. That's not hard to imagine because (laughs) you just are that. But imagine you are a famous politician. Okay. Local servant, celebrity. Okay. Something like this. Uh-huh. The Queen of Australia. I got it. Yeah. You, sure. You're the, you're the Queen of Australia. Maybe you could be like the Attorney General of Australia. No, I want to be the Queen. Uh, okay. You're the Queen. Okay. okay. Thank you. Monica, you are the Queen of Australia, but yes. you're a figurehead, so you don't hold any authority. Um, <laughs> you just keep cutting the legs out. For yeah, yeah that's dangerous. right. That's right. That's right. I want to give you a, an, a correct... Um, view of what it was like to be Hosea because Hosea was the prophet of Israel. So as the prophet of Israel, he would have held some significant authority. Yeah, influence. He was a very influential person. He wasn't the high priest, but he's definitely one of the religious leaders. He is the person that God speaks to. Mm-hmm. And he speaks to people on behalf of. That's his job. He's like the hotshot pastor. He's like, he's the man. You know, he's the guy. He's like, he's famous. He's well-known. He's upstanding. He's moral. He's a great guy. Imagine you're the queen of Australia. Yeah. But you're a figurehead because, uh-huh. you know, yeah. anyways. I'm, I'm influential, hot, influential hotshot. You're an influential hotshot person. But I don't get to make laws, unfortunately. But yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, and But what you say goes a long way, has a lot of influence. People look up to you. Yeah. 
And that's who you are. People look up to you. Like Monica, Queen of Australia, you know, this represents our country. This represents our ideals. And imagine Mm. that the government of the country that you are the queen of, you know, the, the, Mm. you know, we live in a democracy, our prime ministership said, Hey, Monica, I think the best move for you, you know, in a PR sense is to marry a homeless drug dealer. I don't know. Oh, wow. And they're just like, yeah, I think this is the best move for you, Monica. And I feel like it will reveal to the people, you know, what it's like to be us (laughs) (laughs) or something. Uh I don't know. It's some kind of tough situation like that. Like what we, you know. I would be seriously struggling. I would. (laughs) You're the next ship to Tarshish. <laughs> You'd be out of there. Well, that was Jonah, not Hosea. Yeah. But he, he did a runner and I'd be doing a He did a runner. But this is essentially Hosea's situation. Yeah. Hosea, he's called to be a prophet. He's looked up to. He's influential in Israel. Uh, he is tasked as God's messenger with giving people messages that will lead them closer to God, which has been a struggle for Israel right throughout, right throughout their history. Throughout history, Israel have been, you know, ebbing and flowing, far from God, you know, sometimes close to God, but mostly far from God. And now your job, Hosea, is to go and to lead the people back into the worship of God, to get them to stop worshiping idols. It's like, all right, God, what's our ministry strategy? You know, what, are, what, are, what method are we going to cook up? So, you know, do, do you want me to, to have a showdown with the prophets of Baal again? Like, do you want me to, like, are we going to have some, like, miracle battle or, you know, oh, do you want me to go and heal people, God? Do you want me to go and, and you know, you, you could just insert so many blanks. Oh, do you have a message for me for the people? And God says to Hosea, Hosea, this is what I want you to do. This is what's going to change Israel. This is what's going to show them who I really am and make them compelled to love me. Marry a prostitute. Yeah, wow. Imagine. Imagine. Like, this is heavy. Like, this is so, so, so heavy. Actually, I was talking to my friend last night. They were telling me about a movie, which is like a modern retelling of the story of Hosea. And it's about, like, a local preacher who, like, meets a prostitute and then, like, gets to know her and finds out she's a really nice person thrust into a difficult life. And then they, like, start dating and she, like, joins the church and then she goes back and then he gets shot by the pimp. It's, like, some really crazy, hectic movie. Um, but, like, we were just, I don't know, we, we were just discussing this and we are like, man, how crazy would that be? Yeah. Like, that, how crazy is that situation? Like, yeah. and, uh, like, in this, in this movie, like, the, you know, and, again, this is just a movie and a modern retelling and definitely, like, this is not God's advice to everyone. Mm-hmm. In fact, he says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. He's like... You know, yeah. f- find yourself someone you're compatible with. You know, and, and look, also when it comes to relationships, he's he's working in all those situations and, and God can God can make the best situation come out of anything. But with Hosea specifically, he says, bro, you're the prophet of Israel. You're the guy that I've chosen to communicate my messages to Israel and how much I love them and care about them. Marry a prostitute. This would have really caught everyone's attention, though. Yeah. This would have just been, like, the talk of the town. Mm, that's right. And let's, like, I, I want to come to an understanding of why it is that God is trying to do this. 
Like, what, what, what is, what is the purpose of this? Let's go to Hosea chapter two. Have you got, have you got that? You've got a Bible there, Monica. And maybe you guys are listening along. If you're driving the car, please don't read the Bible. Please focus on the road. Um, but hey, if you are, yeah, if you're sitting at home, if you can follow along with us in the Bible, it's, uh, Hosea, it's right after the book of Daniel. So right after the book of Daniel, you'll find the book of Hosea. And uh, I think Hosea is a pretty cool name. I think it's got an unfortunate context. And so I don't know if it's like a favorite of mine to like call my kids or something. But, <laughs> you want to call your kid Hosea. Yeah. I'm like, because he was a faithful dude, but then it's like, that's such a, it's such a hectic story. Yeah. But let's go to Hosea chapter two and we're going to start reading in verse two. So Hosea chapter two. Starting in verse 2, do you want to start by reading Hosea, verse 2 and 3? But now bring charges against Israel, your mother, for she is no longer my wife and I am no longer her husband. Tell her to remove the prostitute's makeup from her face and the clothing that exposes her breasts. Otherwise, I will strip her as naked as she was on the day she was born. I will leave her to die of thirst as in a dry and barren wilderness. Okay, interesting. So who is speaking here? Is that God? Yeah, yeah, it's God speaking. Who's he speaking to? Is this to Hosea or speaking to the prostitute? What does it say here? What does it say? Like, read verse 2 again. Let me go back one page. So, but Hosea now chapter 2. charges against Israel, your mother, for she's no longer my wife and I'm no longer her husband. Who Who is he bringing charges against? The unfaithful wife that must be the church. Well, yeah, yeah. So, well, you were correct. God is talking to Hosea, giving him a message for Israel. Mm -hmm. And his message to Israel is bring charges against them. Why? Like, for they have acted like prostitutes. They they have engaged in harlotry. You see, the reason that Hosea, and because, like, the story of Hosea and Goma, like, she just keeps going back. Like, he's a prophet. He's got money. He's got everything she could possibly want and need. He's got emotional support. But she is so emotionally damaged and so addicted to sin um, and so addicted to the lifestyle that even when she has everything that she possibly needs, she goes back and it shows like to the people. And it's like Hosea Goma is in such an unfortunate situation. And I think like we can well up sympathy for her because it's like, wow, like, you know, she has been so damaged, but then it's like, if you look at the rest of Israel, like this is the, the, what, what, what God is trying to communicate to them. It's like, Hey, Goma, you know how your wife, like, won't stay with you? And she, even though you've given her everything, she keeps going back to harlotry and she keeps leaving you and that's actively hurting her. Your nation is doing the same thing. God's people are doing the same thing. Let's keep reading. Do you want to read for us verse 5 to verse 7? Their mother is a shameless prostitute and became pregnant in a shameful way. She said, I'll run after other lovers and sell myself to them for food and water, for clothing of wool and linen, and for olive oil and drinks. For this reason, I will fence her in with thorn bushes. I will block her path with a wall and make her lose her way. When she runs after her lovers, she won't be able to catch them. She will search for them, but not find them. Then she will think, I might as well return to my husband, for I was better off with him than I am now. Oof. How gnarly. So this is like, ultimately, God, again, God has given Israel everything. And he's talking in this context, you know, very poetically about, it's like a a woman who's doing the same thing, which is the experience that Hosea will go on to have. Um, 
it's talking about a woman that like takes off for her husband to chase other men to, you know, like have make lovers out of them instead of her own husband that's given given her everything. And he's again talking poetically, he's like, Oh, but I'm gonna cut this person off. Um, I'm gonna give them to the consequences of their actions. And eventually, like, you know, they'll they'll have to come back to me. And he's essentially saying this about Israel himself. You see, the thing is, is that Israel's position at this point, it's not that they have a right to be God's people. No, they are privileged to be God's people. And everything that they have, their nation, their wealth, everything has been given to them by God. And God's like, okay, I'll, I'll just cut you off and see what happens then. I'll bring cursings upon you. You know, this is very much being a prophecy looking forward to the destruction that would come upon Israel by the Assyrians. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Welcome back to The Breakfast Show. You are listening to Faith FM. I have another question for the quiz for you. How many cities of refuge were there? How many? How many? If you know the answer. You tell me. Just Should we maybe explain what cities of refuge are? Uh, no. In the Bible, <laughs> there were cities of refuge that people could run to when they were being um, pursued. Yeah, that's right. It's either they're being pursued or maybe... Um, so, like, one of the examples it gives is, like, say... This is the actual example it gives in the Bible. You're mm-hmm. cutting down a tree and then the head of your axe flies off and kills someone so that you don't then get killed by your local town because the murder was an accident, go to a city of refuge so you can have a trial. Yeah. Essentially like Otherwise, they'll be like eye for an eye and just like chop just, your head off. Just wreck you, bro. Yeah. So how many of these cities of refuge were there in the Bible? So give us a text, 0491 Tell us the number. Epic. Well, hey, I got a few more text messages that have come through. Any more from your dad? I love the text messages from your dad. No, hey, we... Mr. Walters, <laughs> how are you this morning? I love your text messages. My, my dad just, he just sends... He sends bangers. Quirky, quirky comments. <laughs> it makes me laugh. Yeah, that's right. Um, hey, oh, this is coming from the interview yesterday. It's like, hi, all, your item yesterday on fiber. I agree. I can attest to eating a lot of fiber. However, it's not enough to do its job. Try not to gross you all out. Sadly, if you don't have, um, it, sadly, if you have iron supplements, it will work against fiber. Um, I have old fashioned brand for lunch now because I'm advanced. Good for this person. Go, go, dude. That's awesome. Hey, amen to parenting classes in schools. Yeah. As we're saying, good stuff. Um, wow, that interview with Hetty, it was, well, this person spelt it H-E-T-I and then said, not sure about the spe- spelling. It's, I believe it's H-E-D-Y. Now, I'm friends with her on Facebook, but she has a Chinese name there. So, you know, just uh, China people things. Um, that was an amazing story. God certainly puts people in the right places at the right time. Amen. Yeah, that was a very powerful and inspiring story. And she's just, she's just a lady who came here from China, learned about God, and has ultimately now transformed her life into being used by him in the awesome and humble ways that she can. Like, Amen. Like, literally, she's just like, oh, yeah, I'm a nurse. I'm going to share my faith. Good on her. So good. And finally, um, you can always surely speak to the teacher and say, please tell me what when this topic is taught um, and to keep your children home. Yeah. I mean... In my experience, I didn't even see that coming. Yeah. So there are a lot of schools where sexual education is opt-in. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that is what a lot of laws in Australia uh, – sorry, not in Australia, but in the United States are trying to, to do. I believe there are laws in Australia that 
are attempting to do the opposite, if I remember correctly. Oh, really? Yeah, we've talked on radio a number of times about teaching in these kind of teachings in school. And actually, a story came out of Newcastle, of a school locally here. Um, I think it was one of the public schools, like, you know, without warning from the parents, like having basically like an LGBT day and bringing in people to talk about it and discuss it with no information given to the parents and the the uh, i believe it was like new south wales education was like sued over it yeah. um or then you know there was some kind of legal proceedings and actions going on i was but- just thinking if they're going to have parenting classes like with these parenting classes that we're cooking up mm-hmm. i reckon one of the assignments should be that the kids or the the students have to prepare a birds and bees talk and then present it to the class as if they're presenting it to their future children and then they get graded on it Wow. Because the birds and the bees talk, you know, that talk yeah. is like the one that the parents like are most squeamish about. Yeah. Yeah. My parents put it off until I was 16. And by that time I was full bottle. I didn't need to know anything more. Yeah. yeah and I told sure. them as such. And so I stopped talking about that. Like, oh, thank goodness. For sure. <laughs> and they didn't tell me anything. Yeah. I have so much respect for people who handle that well. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and it's definitely. And practice makes perfect. So why not like start teaching them young how to talk to their future children about stuff like yeah. that? What, what age do you reckon that should go down? Like. I think this is the thing. This is why it would be so much more beneficial for parents to do it instead of teachers because parents can know when their kids... If their kids suddenly starts asking questions about, you know, parts of their body, this kind of thing, they can maybe lead into it from there. But I think different kids... Different. I was, like, always behind the eight ball. So I didn't even yeah. know what sex was until I was about 12. Yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah. okay. Well, I sort of vaguely became aware of it at that age. So okay. I was just a bit slow. Sure. But, um, yeah, but parents should be able to gauge that. Mm. Which is why it's important for parents to do it because, yeah. Definitely. Shout out parents. Be better. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Messing up your kids. (laughs) Get it together, guys. Well, hey, let's talk about God, who is the parent of all of us. Um, And as we're seeing in the story of Hosea is trying to communicate to him how much he's done for his people. Mm -hmm. And now, as I said before we got into the song there, you know, being God's people isn't a right. It's a privilege. Um, Being God's representative isn't a right. It's a privilege. And it's a privilege that has been bestowed upon Israel at this time. And Israel are completely rejecting their calling by, you know, as it poetically says, running after other lovers. They're just going after different gods, different practices, all kinds of things. And God is saying, well, hey, you know, everything that I've given you, I can just take it away. I gave it to you. It's mine. Like, Mm. the whole world is mine. Everything is mine. And he's not saying like, like, you know, you know, when a mum says like, I brought you into the world, I can take you out type yeah, me. Yeah. Like, obviously God has that, God, if anyone has that right as well. Um, but he's not even saying that. Mm. He's like, you can continue to live. That's fine. But you'll just know what it's like to live without me. And this is what he's communicating to Israel. And he's not being mean. This is just a natural consequences of people's actions. That's right. Yeah. Because again, like we have to say here, you know, maybe you hear the story and you think like, oh, what right does God have to do that? You know, to give them consequences to their actions. Well, the fact that God has already given them everything so they Mm. can live the lives that they live. Just like my parents have the right to discipline me. Like, well, I'm 23. Um, But for example, like I live with my dad. Yeah, so you come under his rule, basically. That's right. Like, and and as a 23-year-old, if I do the wrong thing in his house... Like, yeah. He can kick you out and then That's you right. have to face the consequences of your actions. That's right. Yeah. Now, as a child, you know, when I was 
less than 18 and I was very much way more dependent on my parents than that was even more so. But the fact that I, even as an adult, I live in, you know, and I make my own decisions and I have my own rights and blah, 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 blah. I do my own things. Um, because I live in my dad's house, like there is that, yeah, that, that, um, that level of authority that he has over me that he can exert because it's his, his place. And God is like, well, firstly, this is my world. Secondly, you are my people. So thirdly, everything that you have, I gave to you and the way that you're acting. Yeah. Yeah. It should be taken away. Now let's read verse eight and nine. If you can get that for us. Monica. I just want to say in verse seven, when, when she's, when the harlot says, I might as well return to my husband because I was better off with him than I am now. That sort of gives me prodigal son vibes right there. Mm. Like when he has that dawning moment in uh, yeah. pigsty he realizes he was better off with his father. But you know what's so crazy is that, like, in the prodigal son story and in this story as well, it's like they're living off the benefits of God mm-hmm. without having a relationship with him and without, you know, yeah, you know, putting him in authority in their life. But as soon as God's like, okay, try living without me without the benefits, mm-hmm. then it's gone. Like, it's it's really interesting. She's not like, oh. You know, like I had something good with these other people, but now that it sucks, I'm going to go back. It's like, well, actually, no, everything that I had was already good and I've squandered it by going after other lovers. Now, yeah, let's read verse 8 and 9. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. She didn't realize it was I who gave her everything she has. The grain, the new wine, the olive oil. I even gave her silver and gold, but she gave all my gifts to Baal. But now I will take back the ripened grain and the new wine. I, gen- I generously provide each season, harvest season. I will take away the wool and linen clothing. I will co- give her over to, sorry, I, I will take away the wool and linen clothing that I gave her to cover her nakedness. Oh, just really like God is yeah, putting his foot down. He's like, hey, like if this is what you want to do with, with my stuff, well, then I'll take it away. And is, the God, is this God being petty? No, God is trying to help these people. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We're about to have a question of the day. Before we get into it, we are going to have answers for the quiz. All righty. Let me just scroll up and find where they went. Oh, here they are. Okay, so the first question was, uh, in the book of Matthew, John the Baptist's clothes were made of camel hair and his belt was made of leather. Mm-hmm. The kind of person that Romans 5 says that someone would possibly die for was a good and righteous person. Mm-hmm. The name Dorcas is also known as Tabitha. Uh-huh. Not in any way similar. <laughs> Dorcas, so Tabitha. good. So good. It's not like an abbreviation or anything. I call my car Dorcas, actually. Oh. Because it's full of good deeds and charitable works, as mm. was as was the Dorcas. That's very know, cute. From the, uh, the percentage of a person's wealth to be returned as a tithe is 10%. Yep. And there were six cities of refuge. Yeah, that's right. Good job, everyone, for answering questions correctly. Right now, we're going to get into question of the day. And what is our question today? Should we be planning physically for the end times in terms of buying camping things so when we can no longer pay rent and have to leave? Thank you, Sky, for sending that one in. If you have a question... Please send it in zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Okay, should we be buying camping things? The basic idea premise here is, you know, the sense that hey, if the end times come and it's going to be dangerous for God's true followers, you know, are we going to be having to get out of the cities? Now, um, I can reflect on this from a few face- places in the Bible in the short time that I have. The first one being from Matthew 24, which is the chapter that we kind of know as the signs of the times. Now, the signs of the times in Matthew 24 apply both to 
the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70, as well as Jesus' second coming. The reason that we know this is because Jerusalem was destroyed in AD 70, and this definitely has some aspects of that destruction of Jerusalem taking place in it. In fact, where it says, you know, like, like, uh, for example, in verse 16 of Matthew 24, it says, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Now, when Jesus comes back, I don't think I'll be in Judea. <laughs> but this is this is what it's saying, essentially. Now, it's like, okay, well, is this just a prophecy about the destruction of Jerusalem? But then you read some of the previous verses about the signs of the times, and you have one like in Matthew uh, chapter 24 and verse 14, where it says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to the nations, and then the end will come. And the reality is, is that... <laughs> Did the God like the question to ask is did the gospel get preached in all the world as a witness before Jerusalem was destroyed? And the answer is obviously no. And so we see by the scale of these signs that yes, some of them applied to Judea, but they mostly and the majority of them apply to the end of the world and the destruction of all things. Now, when we come to verse twenty in Matthew twenty-four, the Bible says, "And pray that your flight, or your escape, or departure, or salida." in Spanish, um, pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. So essentially it's giving advice here. Hey, when you, it's, it's giving us some inference or some idea that, Hey, at, at some time you're going to take off. And when you take off, pray that that doesn't happen on Sabbath, you know, or in winter. Now this, you know, it makes sense in the context of eighty seventy Jerusalem being destroyed because, you know, they were literally leaving the place. Um, but for us, it's like, okay, is there somewhere that we need to leave when, you know, before Jesus comes back? And I just, you know, turn over a, a few pages, a few books in the Bible over to Revelation chapter 13, and I reflect on some of the things that are said there, where the Bible talks about the second beast of Revelation 13, this government entity that will enforce the will of the Antichrist. And it says here, and he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. So essentially, if you don't receive the mark of the beast, you are going to be killed. And that mark of the beast is administered, according to the Bible, to a beast. That was actually a answer for a quiz question yesterday. What is a beast represented in Bible prophecy? A nation. So this mark of the beast will be administered by a nation. And if you don't receive it, that nation will endeavor to kill you. And so at that point, it's like, oh, well, I have the ability as someone faithfully following God and not receiving the mark of the beast. Um you know, to just be normally integrated into society once this happens? And I would say probably not. Now, the question is, okay, do we then need to buy camping gear? Do we need to stock up for... Tins of nut meat. You know, tins of nut meat for the, uh, you know, for the time of trouble. I don't think this is the thing. I don't think the world will last very long. Once it gets to this point. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM. That was Tim and Melody Davies with Belong to Me. I got kind of cut off by the song there. We were expecting a ramp, but, you know, it didn't It didn't end up coming in. Essentially, to cap off, look, when the world is falling apart and it's to the point where, like, think about all the signs of the times that are happening right now that we see in the Bible. They get to such a point where, like, the world is literally falling apart um, and the mark of the beast is enforced and all this stuff. I don't think the world is going to last very long. I think it would be good to be in a safe place, you know. But ultimately, we know that we have protection under the shadow of the Almighty. God will be there for us. But, hey, we have come to the time in which we end the show, which is sad. But it's actually good for you 
because we give something away for free. What is that, Monica? Oh, this is so cool. Um, I'm going to be giving away a CD today of classic Eric B. Hare stories. So it's an audio book on CD. It uh, has uh, eight different stories on there, everything from Mr. Crooked Ears to Little Engine, Bunny and Jim, Pip Pip, The Naughty Chicken. This is actually really cool. On Saturday night, I was hanging out with a bunch of old folks from church, and they said one of the best things they had growing up was Eric B. Hare stories. And here wow. they are, CD. So it's all been um, sort of re, you know, redone. Uh, you can get this totally for free if you're the first person to call through 0491064669. The phones are working again, so give us a call. And uh, first person through, classic Eric B. Hair stories. That's right. Well, guys, thank you for joining in with the show today, sending your opinions, sending you know different information, all kinds of things. We have been so blessed to study the Bible uh, and to get to know God better. Let's grow in our love for him. Let's be close to him at this time. Let's read his word. Um, and, yeah know him more. Of course, as you go through the day, spend some time with Jesus and spend some time in Bible study by yourself. There's no substitute for it. Do not forget to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. Securely fold you God be with